Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Today we're going to talk about unlocking favor through scripture. Unlocking the favor, because this is, God has spoken to us that it's about season of favor. Okay, God is the God of times and seasons, we know that. He controls it, he makes it, he changes it. Okay. Psalm 31 verse 15, our times are in your hands. Okay, Daniel chapter 2 verse 21, it changes times and season. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, to everything there is a time and a season. So God is its God of times and seasons. It's God of times and seasons. And this season, for you and I, and everybody connected to this particular house of priest family, this family, right? God is saying to us that he is bringing about manifestations of favor in your life like you have never known it in Jesus' name. The question then is, how do we unlock it? Unlocking favor through scripture. Engaging the covenant practice of scripture. Let's quickly review what we did in the last couple of two weeks, two weeks, last two weeks. Favor is in dimensions. First dimension is the free gift and it's also a reward. Favor is the free gift happens at salvation. It's a free gift that is bestowed upon every believer because of salvation, because of what Christ did. Favor is also a reward. And this is the particular dimension we are targeting. This is the dimension that, you know, has practical expression in our lives that people say, wow, this can only be God. The favor that is a reward. Please note, it is not a free gift. It's a reward, which implicitly means there must be something that has to be done. And that something is called obedience to God. It is a reward given by God to validate a life of obedience. The, that the, the fact that somebody has obeyed the covenant demands of Scripture. Okay? So we, we've talked about what is favor. It's a compelling force. It's a creative force. It's a protective force. It's a multiplying force. And so on. So today, so the question then is, how do I position myself for this dimension of favor, which is a reward? And it is by committing ourselves to the covenant practice of Scripture. The covenant practice of Scripture. And then the question then is, which we're going to continue this week, how do we now unlock that? How do we do that? How do we do this thing called covenant practice of Scripture? Okay? Because this favor is unlocked through it. The covenant practice of scripture. What exactly is this thing called, or that I have called, covenant practice of scripture? Why not, why not just the practice of scripture? Why not just obeying scripture? Why the word covenant? Okay? Well, I'm going to explain that to you as we go on. The covenant practice of scripture, please write if you're writing, because this will be very helpful, not only for the dimension of what I'm teaching today, but generally for our Christian life, everything I'm teaching today actually, it's something that I really trust God that you will be able to carry with you throughout the rest of your Christian journey. Okay? That it will shape your understanding and my own understanding okay, of God through scripture. It is the act of taking personal responsibility to obey the instructions of scripture. The act of taking personal responsibility to obey the instructions 
of scripture. All right, taking personal responsibility to obey the instructions of scripture. So why covenant? It is covenant because, and this is where it gets, I really want you to please open your mind and listen very carefully. It's called covenant practice of scripture, or I've called it covenant practice of scripture, because until your part is fulfilled through obedience, and my part is fulfilled through obedience, the integrity of God for performance is not committed. Now, and I'm going to explore this particular theme throughout this teaching today. God is the God of integrity. For God is not the man that you lie, neither is he the son of man that you repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Has he spoken, will he not make it good? You see, but the problem is that God has integrity. Psalm 89 verse 34 says, God says, I have sworn in my holiness to David, I will not lie to David. I will not alter the words that have gone out of my mouth. God has integrity. What he says is what he will do. First Kings chapter 8 verse 56 what he has said with his mouth, he will fulfill with his hand. God has integrity. Joshua 21 verse 45. Not one of the word of God failed. God has integrity. But we have to commit God. Commit his integrity to us, to you, to me as individuals for the performance of what he has said. The way Mary said it. In Luke 145, it's blessed is she that believes, for there shall be a performance of the things that I've said. There will not be a performance automatically. There will be a performance because you have believed. And you cannot believe, to show that you believe, you have to obey. Is anybody still in the house now? To show that you and I believe, we must obey. There will only be a performance of the things you have believed, not of the things God has said. Is the things God has said that you have believed that you can see a performance. Now, that looks like, it sounds like semantics. That What's the difference? The difference is huge. The difference is, is the difference between failure and success. It's not just what God has said that there will be a performance. It is what God has said that you believe that there will be a performance. Blessed is she who believed for there shall be a performance of the things told her. That it, that scripture is already telling you and I that it's not everything God says to people that people believe. Some people don't believe. So for those that don't believe, there will be no performance. There will be no performance. If God says you're going to experience favor and you don't believe it, you say, well, let's see. Let's just see. Then there will be no performance. And that will confirm exactly what you have believed, which is that you don't believe. But when you do believe, then you can see performance. But to show that you believe, because faith is not just believing God. Faith is obeying God to prove you believe God. That's part of the definition of faith. Okay? Okay, so let's, let's, let's move on. Now, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's quickly look at something that is so, I'm so passionate about. I'm so passionate about this because today now we have a lot of erroneous understanding about God that is so prevalent and widespread in the body of Christ that is not based on scripture. Now, we're going to take a good example of the man called Job. Job, in the Bible. You know, the example of Job. I want us to take a look at Job and see what this thing I've called a balanced revelation of God from scripture. A balanced revelation of God from scripture. I've told you several times 
we should never build a doctrine based on our experience or the experiences of other people. I've had experiences with God to the glory of the Almighty God by His mercies. I've had experiences with God, serious experiences with God. But I, I hardly want to share them because I don't want people to build doctrines on it. We don't build doctrines on experience. We build doctrines on Scripture. Now let's take a look at Job and see how wrong he was when he built an experience. It, um, sorry. He built uh, uh, his revelation of God on the experience he was having at a particular time. So I want you to show me this. Uh, I, 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 I'll open it up to you in a few minutes. Job chapter 1 verse 21. Look at what Job said here. I'd like you to take a good look what Job said here initially. Then I'll show you why Job said that. In Job chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, Job stood up, and this is after just Job had suffered a lot of, you know, adverse circumstances. You know, he's lost his business. You know, he's lost his children. You know, he's sick in his body. Okay? He's, he's gone through quite a lot. I mean, more than a fair share in life. You know, um, understandably. So Job, Job said, he just stood up and tore his clothes and said, he shaved his head, he went to ground and he worshipped. And look at what Job said. Job said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. Full stop. That is true. And that is biblical. Are you following now? That is true. That is biblical because that is confirmed also in the New Testament. He said it is certain that we brought nothing to this world and we will take nothing away from this world. So, but the next sentence is where there is a problem. He said, the Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. The Lord has taken it away. Now, Job thought he was right, and some of his friends, they too were wrong. God corrected them too late, later on, you know. But as for Job refused to shake from this belief. What bothers me is that this thing Job said here, people have built doctrines on it. It's God that brings. It's God that takes away. Somebody loses their job and says, it's God that made me lose job. If, I did, if God didn't want it, then I would not have lost that job. And Satan hides under all of this to keep on cheating the children of God. And God's heart is broken. So then, let's find out. You know, the best person to find out from, whether he's right or he's wrong, is Job himself. Is that not true? Let's find out from Job himself. Whether this statement Job made here, whether it's right or wrong, I'm sure you want to know. All right. So in Job chapter 42, later on, so Job, when he had a better understanding, because what happened was that he kept on saying all manner of things he didn't understand. So God showed up to him one day and God said, all right, Job, you're going to answer some questions. So God started asking him questions. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where is this? Where is snow kept? Where is this kept? And Job said, scratched his head and said, ah, there's a lot I don't know. Now look at what Job now said. Job 42, verse 1 to 6. Pay attention. Job replied to the Lord and said, ah, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. And look at what the master said. You asked, this is what, part of what God asked. Who is this that questioned my wisdom with such ignorance? Now, look at, immediately there, God is telling Job, telling us that Job was very ignorant of what was going on. So that means the statement Job was making there was a statement coming out of what? Thank you very much, sir. Coming out of ignorance. All right? God is the one speaking there. No, this is not man speaking there. This is not Apostle Paul. It's not God is the one speaking. God said, so Job said, it is I. Job owned up. 
He said, God said, who is the one questioning my wisdom out of ignorance? Job said, uh, excuse me, sir. It's I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Can you imagine? Job is the one telling us now. Job said, don't remember, don't, that thing I said that God is the one that took away. I was actually speaking about things I know nothing about. Look at what he said. Things that were far too wonderful for me. He said, you said, Job is speaking to God now. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. So Job said, I have only heard about you before. But now I've seen with my eyes. Now what, what in the NKJV says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now I see with my own eyes. What this is saying is this. Job is saying that, apparently Lord, what I built my whole theology on was secondhand information. It was what somebody else told me about, some, what somebody else said, what somebody else said about God. I built it on what people have told me about God. I have not had a personal interaction with you. I have not had a personal revelation from you. I built my whole life on what somebody else has said. Job said, look at me. Now, this is very important because 90% of what people are saying about God is what they had other people say about God. No, they have not been like the Berean Christians to go into the scriptures and find out whether it was so, or be like the Samaritans that went to the Samaritan woman and said, you know what, thank you for introducing us to Jesus. Before, we came to Jesus because of what you said. But now, this is in John chapter 4, but now we have come to hear Jesus ourselves. Even if you say you don't want to hear him anymore, that's okay. We have now connected to Jesus ourselves. That's why the Bible only commended the Berean Christians. What about all the other Christians in the early days? Where were they? They were not going back into the scripture to find out whether those things were so. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Can we look at Acts 17, 11? Put it on the screen, please. The New Living Translation, particularly. Acts 17, 11. The people of Berea were more open minded than those that were in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Okay? So at this point, it was still Paul's message. But then, now, search the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. No matter who is teaching you, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and somebody was cross-checking what he was doing. There's nobody on earth today that wrote the Bible. So no matter who the teacher is, no matter how great they are, even if they cut a head off and put it back on and say, ah, there's a miracle. Glory to God. It's a miracle. But whatever you're telling me, I have to check it with the objective reference of scripture. Please, are you hearing me? No matter the miracle, objective reference of scripture takes its place. There's nothing as powerful as the prophecy of scripture. Scripture takes precedence over any and everything. Even Jesus came, he could not break scripture. He told us that. Please, this is very important. Those are one man of God said, if, as I'm teaching you right now, what, everything I'm teaching you now, get back home, check it out. If the scripture does not support what I'm teaching you, throw it away. That's just VWA, just ranting. But if it supports it, then you take it. Take it. Then now it's no longer PWA's message, it's your own revelation. That's how it becomes your revelation. It was initially Paul's message, but having searched the scripture and I found out it's true, it's not my message. Praise God. Now look at what Paul, look at what Job now said. This is what actually makes me afraid. 
Job 42 verse 6. Look at what Job said. Job said, ah, I take back everything I said. Now, Job said he takes back everything I said, but he has said it. Somebody is running with it. Till this moment, somebody is still running with what Job said, but Job has taken it back. Isn't that sad? Job has taken it back, and somebody is still running with it today. I just know I lost my job. Like God would not have permitted it if I did not lose that job. That thing would not have come if God did not permit it. So, but people are still running with it, and Job had already said, "I take it back." People are still running with it. So this is why it's so important, so important for us to have a balanced scriptural understanding of God. Balanced scriptural understanding, not cultural understanding of God. Not traditional understanding. Friends, friends, listen to me very carefully. Please, friends, not denominational understanding of God. But scriptural understanding of God. A clear-cut biblical understanding of God. That when somebody asks you a question, you can say, yes, based on this scripture and this scripture, this is where I'm standing. So let's look at two of them. Two of those things from scripture. First thing is this. While God is sovereign, God is not irrational, neither is he erratic. I can't tell you how many lives have been destroyed because people think that God is irrational and that God is erratic. I can't tell you how many lives have been messed up. That people, because if you believe in the irrational and erratic God, you will believe in luck. You believe in faith, faith as in F-A-T-E, that some people have just been wired to be a failure and that's it. God has just decided. You will believe that the pendulum has not swung in your direction, that God has decided that some people will have children, God has designed it that some people will not have children. That God has decided that some people will be the head, some people will not be the head. That the ones that will be the head, the rest of us will just, will just at their mercy. You will believe in that nonsense. You won't believe that you yourself are created in the image of God. You won't believe that. You will believe that whatever happens, that God, you will believe God is a respecter of persons. You will believe that God has favorites. All of these are not scriptural. Are you still in your house? You believe that, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know, of course, God, yeah, yeah, God healed sister so-and-so. Yes, God decided to heal brother so-and-so. But for me, I don't know what I've done to God. I don't know why God is not touching me. You believe in that nonsense. God is sovereign, but God is not erratic. Please, can you say with me, God is not erratic? Oh, please say it again, God is not erratic. Yeah, God is not erratic. So let's, now, now I'm making a statement now. I'm concluding, then I'm going to unpack. So I've made a statement here, and I have to prove this statement to you. So let's start. Number one, God is sovereign. Let's prove that. Our God is in heaven. He does what he pleases. And I don't have time today now to go through what is called Bible, the principles that govern Bible interpretation, okay? The principles of hermeneutics is a whole study area, just like you study biology, all right? or study physics or chemistry or anthropology or any other thing like subject like that. Okay? There are actually professors of hermeneutics, professors in that area. It, it comes with principles to rightly divide the word of truth. But I don't want to labor you with all the technicalities of Bible interpretation. But I can do tell you that in the original context of this scripture, it was talking about idols. But it now tells us that God is in heaven. He does what he pleases. 
Now, the word pleases here is not talking about irrational actions. It's not talking about unpredictability. That's not what he's saying. He's telling us about an all-compassing power that governs, that rules. Okay? That does not need to get approval from somebody before he makes a decision. Are you still with me now? So God is sovereign. However, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14.33, look at what it says. God is not, not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. So every saint, every born again Christian, in every church, know this. God is not the author of what? Confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Everything must always be done decently and in order. God is not the author of confusion. It is confusion. Serious confusion. To think that God heals twin brother and twin sister, God refuses to heal them. Then I'm confused about God. I'm confused about the God that in one hand he gives and in another hand he takes. That's confusing. Who are you, God? Are you a giver? Are you a taker? Who are you? That's confusing. Are you a good God? Or are you a moody God? That's confusing. It's confusing if you tell me that in Acts chapter 10 verse 34, you're telling me that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, whosoever works righteousness is acceptable by him. If you're telling me in Romans chapter 10 verse 12, the same Lord over all is rich unto all who calls upon his name. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God shows no partiality in the book of Galatians. If you're telling me all of that, and then you're not showing partiality. You're not having favorites. I'm confused, Lord. You are the one that said, for God's all of the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. Okay, now I'm believing. You all say that they looked unto him, and they were not ashamed. And their faces were lightened. Okay, I said before you on the rock of offense, whosoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. Now I'm believing in you. Then suddenly you decide that I'm going to be put to shame. How does that work, Lord? The Bible says it's not the author of confusion. So if you find you being confused about God, God is not the one. If you find yourself being confused about something to do with God, God is not the, the Holy Spirit is not the one bringing that confusion. Bind that spirit then ask the Holy Spirit to give you clarity concerning God in that, on that issue. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Yeah. I've just saved somebody's destiny by saying that. When you confront a situation, you sent me out, Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. You, first, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, to, one, 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew 10, 1. He called out his 12 disciples and gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses. Acute sickness, yes. Chronic illnesses, yes. All kinds of diseases, really. Almost terminal, yes. Beginning of the stage, yes. Okay. Then in Mark, in Mark, uh, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. Matthew 17, seven chapters later, I'm trying to cast out a demon and I could not cast it out. 
but you are already giving me the power. I don't understand. I'm a little bit confused here. The one I have to do then is to go to Jesus privately and ask him, why could I not cast it out? Not me going back and say, well, you know, sometimes this thing works. <laughs> sometimes you know, it doesn't work. God is sovereign. He does what he wants to do. No. Lord, I know you're not the author of confusion. If you have said this, and you have integrity. Why, where am I missing it? What is the one thing I lack? Then you can now tell me, in verse 20, because of unbelief. Ah, okay, Lord. Thank you for revealing it. It's not because you changed your mind. It's because of unbelief. Are you following this? So, Lord, what's the solution then? I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move! Nothing will be impossible for you. Ah, thank you, Lord. Reassurance. Next verse, next verse then. Next verse, Matthew 17, 21. Matthew 17, 21. But this kind does not go out except praying and fasting. Ah, I didn't have that revelation of praying and fasting before. Oh, now I have that revelation. So praying and fasting, when I stand on in, it does at least two things in this particular area right now. It lowers my unbelief quotient. Lowers my unbelief. Opens me up to faith. So the differential between my faith and my unbelief grows. Did you follow what I just said? The differential between my faith and my unbelief grows. That's when I have faith as a mustard seed. Qualitative. That's what he's talking about now. Qualitative. So I've reduced my unbelief. I've given chance for my faith to grow. Praying and fasting does that. Then when I, when I do that, I'm not able to stand before the same thing that I stood before that would not move and move it. So what's, what practical times, what should I do? Go and pray and fast. Pray and fast. And as I'm praying and fast, Nagada Kujia. I'm praying, building up myself on my most holy faith while at the same time pushing down on my unbelief. My faith comes out. Quality. Mustard seed. So I don't go back and say, ah, God, I don't know. I know. So then I come up with a strange doctrine that it is because God wants to teach me a lesson. Or God wants to humble me. If you, if you want to see how God humbles people, you check through the Bible how God brings about humility. The best way God brings about character modification is actually not through challenges. The best way God brings about character modification is through the teaching of the Word of God. Praise God. I beseech you, brethren, by the message of God, that you present yourself, present your body, okay, to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. How do I do that? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Because the word repentance is about mind. Pent. Upstairs. Mind. Re-change what is upstairs. Change your mind that will not lead to change of behavior. That's it. That's repentance. So you actually cannot repent until your mind has changed. If you still believe that this thing you're doing is still the right thing, you've not yet repented. So circumstances can be flogging you. The Bible actually says in the book of Proverbs, it says if you beat a fool, beat a fool. Even if you grind him in a pestle and mustard, mm -hmm. it will not change. Thank you, Jesus. Are you getting something already? Oh, you know, this is, my, this is my thing. Please, this, this is my area. Please, this thing is bubbling in me. Now, I want you to 
please, if you've not been following, follow this now. Because this will help you a lot this year, help your faith. Listen to this scripture. Just follow the trend of this scripture in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 22. Read it in different translations. And I'd like you to follow as I will now open you up or emphasize, I should say, one or two things here. Verse 18. God is faithful. That's the first revelation there. God is faithful. Okay, now, you know, when we talk about, oh, ah, God is a faithful God. God is a faithful God. Then why are you now saying that God might do it, he might not do it, if God is faithful? Because the revelation of God's faithfulness here, look at what it says. God is faithful. Our word to you was not yes and no. Are you following now? But this, why? The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was the gospel that Paul preached, which is two-thirds of the New Testament. He said it was not yes and no. It's not yes, no, no, yes. It's not lottery. He said it is yes. In him was what? Yes. Now, this gospel that Paul preached, where did this gospel come from? Paul, where did you get this gospel? Did it come from you? Did Paul come about this gospel by himself? Galatians chapter 1 verse 12, please on the screen. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 12. Let's see where the gospel came from. I neither received it from man, Paul is speaking, nor was I taught, but it came through what now? The revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling us where he got the information from. He got it directly from the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, whatever you're reading here now is coming directly from Jesus Christ to you through Paul. Forget about what man has said. This is what God is saying through Paul, through PWA to you. What is God saying? He's saying that Jesus Christ was not yes and no. In him was yes. Now look at it now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Every believer must know this scripture by heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Every believer must do what? Must know this scripture by heart. You will need it. For all the promises of God in Christ, they are yes. You can even stop at that comma. All the promises of God in Christ are what? In Christ means because of redemption. In Christ means for us that are saved. You are saved. You have been redeemed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Oh my God. The forgiveness of sins. In him you have redemption. I have redemption. Okay. Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. And because of that. All of his promises to the redeemed of God. They are what? Yes. Come on, I can hear you. They are what, church? They are yes. Don't approach your issue thinking it might be yes, it might be no. All the promises of God for the redeemed are what? Jesus Christ made it so. Jesus Christ removed removed the doubt. They are yes. Will God heal you? Yes. If you're single, do you think you will get married? Yes. You're trusting God for fruit of the womb. Do you think you will have it? Yes. 
Yes. As far as heaven is concerned, the answer is Oh, come on, say it like you believe it. Don't allow tradition to hold you back. This is scripture now. Yes. You see, as I'm teaching this right now, Satan is playing games on the minds of some people. And what is bringing up quickly in their mind is, oh, but what about this great man of God? What about that great woman of God that God has used mightily? And he prayed for this to happen. It didn't happen. I have... I don't consider myself to be a great man of God. I consider myself to be a little boy that is just trying to understand scripture. I prayed for things. I prayed for people. I prayed for my own personal life today. I have not seen certain things that I wanted to see. It does not change this. What that just means is that there is a gap in my knowledge. That I need to go. You see, if you don't have a North Star that you feel is constant in this Christianity, you will sink. You need to have this North Star that you say, God, there's no problem with you. I'm seeing the problem here, but the problem is not coming from you. What, where am I missing it? You are not missing it. It's me that I'm missing it. What do I like? You know, somebody came about the Ten Commandments and was arguing with Jesus. So what do I do now to get eternal life? Jesus said, that shall not steal. Uh-huh. What again? That shall not commit adultery. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, no, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh-huh. Say again. Jesus comes and says, ah, stop, stop, stop. it's okay. You can't tell six of them. I've done everything since I was younger. Jesus looked at him and said, ah, sorry. Oh. The man said, and I still don't have eternal life. So, promising eternal life, eternal life, I come to me, I give eternal life. I've done everything. I don't have eternal life. And the Bible said, Jesus looked at him, loving him, and says, sir, you're missing the point. <laughs> he said, which one? He said, go and take everything you have and sell it. So, so but that's not in the commandment. It's very there. He said, thou shalt shall not covet. Covetousness, as, which is an idol. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Whatever you cannot release to God is a God to you. That was the revelation. So, the Bible says, the man said, no, I'd rather keep my God. You keep your, keep your eternal life. I'll keep my God. The Bible said, the man went to sorrowful, and the amazing thing that Jesus did not run after him to follow him up. So, the man left without it. But Jesus told him, you lack one thing. And that one thing was stopping him from eternal life. Can you imagine? Only one thing. And the man said, I've done everything. To say you've done everything is to say, God, you are a liar. I am true. I have full integrity, and here you are. You can't even keep your own word. Well, I've kept my own. That's arrogance. That's what you call pride. And Bible says, God, <laughs> resist the pride. No, God, Father, you are faithful. You are trustworthy. Abraham trusted in you. You didn't fail him. Isaac trusted you. didn't fail him. Esther risked her life. When before the king, you did not fail her. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you didn't fail them. Daniel, you did not fail them. Peter and John, you didn't fail them. Dorcas saved you. You didn't fail her. Here I am today, Lord. I know you will not fail me. For you have not changed. You are the one that is the ancient of days. For you were the one that was. You are. And you will forever be. Unchanging changer. That is who you are. Reliable, reliable, reliable. Faithful you are, oh God. Father, I know I have knowledge gap. For man is but a vapor. What do I know? Show me that which I do not know. And give me the grace to do that which you want me to do. To see what you have already ordained for me to see. That's the prayer point. That's how you do it. Then God begins to open you up and show you that. This sickness, you have been quoting scripture, quoting scripture. This one has nothing to do with scripture. 
This one, go and forgive people that you are holding offenses against. That's what happened to that particular lady. She had pain. She, she said, I stand up. In that testimony of that particular lady that we had here, she said, I will stand up and I fall down. I feel fainted. I was battling this sickness. Then all of a sudden, the word of knowledge came and said, you are so disappointed in some of your friends that you are holding offenses against them. God says, forgive them and you will be free. And now she's been praying. And she did. And she was free. And the sickness, within 24 hours, she was free of it. Testimony was shared here. During the solution night we had, service we had, called solution nights. Friends, you see, that was, that was the solution. Show me that which I do not know. That's all. Amen? Yeah. All the promises of God in Nehemiah, yes, and in Nehemiah, amen to the glory of God. Now he has established us with you in Christ. He has anointed us as God. He who has established us. Who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. All right? So this is very important. God Almighty, forever keep that in mind, please. Okay, all of the promises of God for the redeemed is yes. I don't approach God by the grace of God. I've come to learn that. I don't approach God as a wavering God. You know, wavering. Because you know, the Bible already says that if you waver, you let no man think that you will receive anything from the law. I don't approach God with the mindset of maybe you will do it, maybe you will not do it. You know, God is sovereign, I don't know. He might decide to make me great. He might decide not to make me great. I don't approach God because of that. If I'm still having doubt, I don't approach God. Yet, in prayer, I approach him not in prayer of supplication or request. Not yet. If I'm still having doubt, I approach God in the prayer to know. The prayer of revelation. Show me, Lord. Then based on the revelation, now I know. <laughs> then I cannot approach him. The Lord... According to, I thank you because you are the one that is the author of my faith. So you have authored my faith. That's how I believe you now, based on this information. Now, Lord, finish what you have started by bringing to practicality what you have shown me. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? You are going to have a fantastic time this year. You are going to have a fantastic time this year. Everything Satan has denied you through deception. That deception is destroyed today in Jesus' name. That deception is destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, second thing I want to show you about God is this. While God is all-powerful, there is no doubt about that. And this is very confusing. This can be very frustrating for many Christians. Obedience to scriptural instructions is what makes God all committed to use that power for you. Please just, if you're writing, I will encourage you to write it exactly the way it's there. Because it's carefully calibrated. It does not mean God is not committed to you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking of the commitment to use the power for you. It takes obedience to scriptural instruction to get him to be committed to use. The use, the utilization of that power. It takes obedience to instructions. God is all-powerful. This is very frustrating because you say, God, I know you're all-powerful. God, I know you can do it. You know, you've had prayers. I've prayed like that too. We've all done that. 
Father, I know you can do this if you want to do it. Wrong. He can do it and he wants to do it. God will never prove to you again that he can do it because he has already given you the greatest proof that he wants to, sorry. He will not prove to you again that he wants to do something. Why? Because he's already proven to you. He's giving you the highest level of proof. Which other evidence will God bring forth to show us that he is willing to do something? There's no other evidence. Romans 8.32 tells us that. He who did not spare his only begotten son, but delivered him up for you and for me, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us, come on guys, how many things? God has no greater proof that of his willingness. Please understand that. So if only I can know that God is willing, God is still willing. God, no, God has no, if anytime you're having a doubt, just go back to this scripture. Father, I know you're willing. I know you're, you've proven to me that you're willing by giving me your son, Jesus Christ, without me asking you. For while I was yet a sinner, you sent Christ to die for me. That level of investment, when you, don't, you did not even, you don't, when, when I was not even ready to, uh, to, uh, to, to receive you, you made such a serious level of investment, you are proven that you are willing. That's why Jesus told that man in Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, I'm willing. But, you see, now to get this all-powerful God, to now use this power for you, favor is an amazing, incredible thing with God, but to now, that he has the very simple thing with him. But to not get him to, to release it to you as a person, okay? The compelling force, multiplying force, what the attractive force. You know, Psalm 45, verse 12 says, The rich among the people will seek your favor. When God favors you, he attracts people to you. I'm talking to people that want to get married now. He attracts people to you. People look at you. And they just, they, all they can just see is beauty at any time, any day, any time. They just see beauty. Why? Favor. For God to do that, you and I then must get to start understanding that it is obedience to the scriptural. If we refuse to obey the scriptural instructions, it doesn't change the fact that God is all-powerful. But it changes dynamics in that the all-powerful God will not be all committed to use it. Making sense? And walk, rise up and go home. I can't. I can't take my bed and go home. I know, I know if you really want to heal me, you will heal me and I'll be whole. Then I can start going home. No. Take your bed and go home is the instruction. Are you following now? Yeah. That's the instruction. I know you're all powerful, but that's the instruction. If you not obey that instruction, the power will not be unlocked. All right. Let, let, let's, let's go on quickly. I hope you're learning something today. Look at, so let me prove it to you. I've given you a statement. I want to prove the statement. God is all-powerful, but he's not always all-committed to use the power. So look at what he says, except there's obedience. He who has my commandments and keeps them. That's obedience, right? Speak to me. Is that obedience? Okay. Oh, keeps them. It is he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, I will love him and manifest, use my power for them. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. He who loves me. So substitute the first statement. So he who loves me will be loved by my father. He who has my commandments and keeps them will be loved by my father. And I will love him and them. You will see manifestation. Very clear. Okay, look at this one. Luke chapter 5, verse 4 and 6. 
verse 4 to 6 rather. When Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, this is the instruction now, launch out into the deep, lay down your nets for a catch. Okay? Simon said, but, Simon answered and said, Master, we have told all night, we caught nothing. Okay? So basically, if you really want to give me fish, wave your hand over my boat, fill it with fish, and let me go home. Not talking about nets and all of that. The something told Peter, why don't you obey the instruction? Because it will not, the power will not be unlocked. <laughs> so, he said, okay, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net now. Now, but this is what I want to show you. Look at verse 6. When he had done this, he did not catch the fish. It was when he had done, what is this? The previous instruction, right? It was when he obeyed the instruction. That, the, look at the word when. It's a function of time. So what are you delaying in your life because you've not obeyed? That you say, oh, I don't know when God, God will do it, when God will do it. No, it's not when God will do it. It's when you are going to obey. God will do it, the right biblical statement is, God will do it when I obey. Not God will do it when God will do it. He has his timing, it's God's timing. God's timing is when he has given the instruction. That means God is ready. Once the instruction comes, God is ready. God will do it when you will obey. That's it. It's when you obey. That's when God will do it. When he had done this, when he had done this, that's it. When, so when the Bible says, sing, oh Baron, you say, why? Why? What, about, what is there to sing about? If God wants to do it, God will do it. You have allowed Satan to cheat you. Follow the instruction of Scripture to unlock the power of God. You are the one delaying what God wants to do by not obeying the instruction. Don't let Satan cheat you and say God will do what God will do. That is the theology of losers. That is the mindset of failures. If God will do what God will do, why can't he just save everybody in the whole world? Why are we preaching then? No, it doesn't work that way. That's not biblical. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When he had done this, a great number of fish and the net was now breaking. All right. Write this down, please, if you write him. I will appreciate it, please. It will be, I, I, I believe it will be helpful to you. It was really helpful for me. While God's power is always available for every Christian, it takes obedience of faith to utilize the power for our benefit. It's exactly what I've said before, but in a different way. It's always available. But it takes the obedience of faith, friends, to utilize that power, all right, for our benefit. Because this is the frustrating, this world leads to frustration. And this year, God does not want you to be frustrated. This is what leads to frustration in the life of many people. I know God can do this thing. If God wants to give me a job, I know he can give me a job. If God wants to change my husband, I know he can change my husband. If he wants to change my wife, I know he can change my wife. If God wants to change the life of my children, hmm, that are on drugs, that are not serving God, I know God can do it. There's nothing God cannot do. That is true. God can do it. But, you see, the power of God to do it is going to work in cooperation with you. And the way it's going to work with you is in cooperation with your obedience. 
Amen. All right. Luke 5, 17. And the power of God was present to heal them. Jesus was preaching and the power of God was available. It was present, but it was not healing them. In this story, in Luke chapter 5, there was only one person that was healed. And that one person that was healed was the one, the paralyzed man, that they opened the roof and brought. And Jesus saw their faith. Mark chapter 2, verse 5. Jesus saw their faith. And he said to his son, your sins are forgiven. And the people were arguing with him. The power was available to heal, but because the Pharisees were arguing, who is this man that he can forgive sins and all of that? They did not benefit from the power that was available. So, many a times that we've seen, we thought that, oh my God, God did not do anything. Actually, the power was available. But the power was not utilized. But it was available. It was available. You know, one of my daughters told me one day, she said, oh, I'm just having pain all over my body. I'm stressed. I'm going through this. I'm pain. I'm, I don't even know how my body is feeling. And so on and so forth. I was driving when the phone call came in. I don't know how I'm feeling. I'm, you know, I can't sleep. No, no, I'm just not comfortable. You know, it was almost like her head was going to blow up. I was going to pray the normal, regular prayer. But suddenly, and the Spirit of God ministered in my heart. I know his voice. And he said to me, in that particular occasion, so this is not a doctrine. This was just a specific instruction to a specific person at a particular time. Are you following? And so I said to her, I said, okay, all right. Go right now. Just do what I'm telling you right now. Go right now in your house where you are. Open your tab. Take a cup, of, cup and fill it with water. So she did she said, I said, tell me when you do that. She was still on the phone with me. She said, oh, yes, Pastor, I've done that. I said, you've done that? I said, okay, let us pray. So I prayed. I prayed. Then I told her, take the water and go to bed. God bless you. Following day, she called me and said, Pastor, I can't believe it when I woke up. She said, I went to bed, closed my eyes, I slept off, woke up, all of my body, everything back in shape. Now, now, <laughs> you know, after I prayed over the glass of water, imagine, she put in a glass of water. Water I took inside my own house. Was the, I thought this man was going to pray some very powerful prayer. That's what people say. <laughs> they don't understand that it is not powerful prayer that brings healing. So if you are going to say, hey, ha, 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 that's not what brings the healing, you know. You know, you know it's a, effort does not work the righteousness of God. That's what brings the healing. It is the power of God to the glory of Jesus Christ that brings the healing. Any instruction to unlock that power is what is powerful. You understand? It is the instruction to unlock that power that is powerful. So if the instruction is as simple as that, that's it. And what gave me the confidence to say that is that it's out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the book of Revelation says, wherever that water went, anything that was dead came alive again. <laughs> that was it. A combination of those two scriptures is what made me tell her. And how will that, how, how will that water now become alive? Third scripture came. In him was life. And as the Father sent him, he said to me, so in me is life. So when I speak, Life comes out and flows into that water. It drinks it, 
and that water wherever it goes. And there's no place water does not go in your body. Simple calculation. Scriptural mathematics. You see that? Instructions. Instructions. I think we've run out of time for today. We can go through this, the rest of it next week. Have you been blessed today? Please give Jesus a big round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we honor you. Friends, I'm really passionate about this, so I'm going to continue next week. Don't worry, we have time this year. We really have time. This is just the third Sunday. We have time with each other. Don't we have time? Uh, even if you, thank God everything is online now. Even if you travel, even if you're not around, you just, you know, it's online. You just go back to it again. Even if you're here, go back to it again. Listen to it over and over again. I told you on Friday, there are messages I've listened to a thousand times in the last two years. And I'm not joking. I cannot remember in the last two years. I cannot remember in the last two years. Sleeping. I'm talking of sleeping now. In bed. And not listening to a tape. In the last two and a half years, I can't remember. The last time I slept and something was not playing. If, it's, if I'm not, some tops is playing something. Some, we are he hearing something. We don't have idle time anymore. We're hearing something. Why? Because, because what you hear <laughs> is what will determine the quality of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anyway, that's practically for me personally. I immersed myself completely. Immersed myself completely. Bible says, give yourself to it, not give your time, give yourself to it. And I know you don't have that time. I, I, I appreciate that. I'm not condemning anybody that might not have that kind of a time. But what I'm suggesting to you today is that I'm going to walk you through this whole thing this year. I'm not in a hurry at all. I'm going to take my time to build the doctrine so you can get it. You are not going to be confused about God. You are not going to be somebody that is unstable. You are not going to have fear when you're approaching any issue of your life. When you're going for an interview, you know, the surprise we get when something happens, say, ah, can you believe they gave me that job? It should actually be the opposite. You should be surprised if you don't get it. Why? Wow. Really? I didn't get it. Okay, I have to go and pray and talk and ask God why. And you ask God why. You should be surprised that it did not happen. The father here, no surprise that it did not happen, shows you were not really believing. You're not really believing. You're not really believing. If you are believing and it didn't happen, if he told, tells me, Pastor, I'm going to I'll see you tonight, Pastor, I'm coming to your house. And because I've worked with him for many years, I know he's a man of his words, and he doesn't show up. Normally in the natural, what I would do then is that, ah, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., this man said he's going to be here by 6 p.m. Something must have happened to him. I pick up the phone. Do you agree with me? I mean, hey, hello, Pastor Lee. Yeah, it's me. Are you okay? How are things? Where are you? So, Pastor, I'm, I was about to start coming. Something happened. I had a flat tire. Then that explains it. The same thing with God. God, do, do you believe God has more integrity and more reliability than him, than me? Eh? You don't believe? <laughs> then you pick up the phone. You call God. You do your praise and worship, Father. I thank you. I honor you. Father, I know you always show up. You're reliable, God. I, I know you're reliable. Ah, Jesus sent his disciples ahead of them. He said, go ahead of me. That's what the Bible actually says. He compelled them to enter the boat. 
while he stayed back and was praying. And the fourth watch of the night, he showed up walking on the water. The disciples that had been, the wind had been contrary, they had been rowing against the wind. They're fighting this battle. Fighting this battle. Fighting this battle because Jesus wanted to expand their knowledge in a particular area, which I will explain to you in a minute. Fighting this battle, rowing. Suddenly, the situation got more complicated. Somebody tapped Peter and said, Hello, hello, Peter. See, see, can you see what I'm saying? Peter said, Leave me, I'm still do, dealing with this one. I said, Peter, lift your eyes, see, see, see. Open his little hand. Is that the man? Someone said, Hey, he's a ghost. And he started panicking. Ghost. We can still, we're still struggling with water. Ghost. How do we do with the ghost? And the more they look, the more the ghost is moving closer. <laughs> and closer, and closer, and closer, and closer. Then somebody looked again very well and said, ah, he looks like he's the master. The master is actually coming. He said, master. But we've not seen master walk on water now. We can't be the master. Let's, just, let's focus on this one first. And the ghost kept coming. <laughs> kept coming. Then someone said, then Peter said, I'm going to do something. Hello, Jesus! Hello, Jesus! Quiet. If it is you, Master, tell me to come on the water. And surprisingly, Peter did not hear an echo. He heard the voice of the Master. Come. And someone said, that's the Master. Peter said, I can feel it too, because faith rose up in him. He, told the he dropped his bucket, came out of the boat. <laughs> and somehow, the water online was solid. Ah! Kakata is the master. Yeah. I'll grade that. I'll grade that. Then the wind started. He said, hey! <laughs> and he started thinking. The Bible did not tell us the distance between Jesus and Peter. But the Bible just said, he stretched out his hand and pulled him out. And said, ah, ah, apostle. Why? <laughs> apostle. Ah, ah. Why did you do that? <laughs> Why did that? He said, ah, sir, <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> the Bible said, immediately they were in the boat. Then they, they got to the other side. What was Jesus teaching them? That behind every storm is the wind part and the water part inside every storm. If you are dealing with, with only the water, the storm might carry you away. Dealing with the water is a physical part. The wind is the invisible part. Every storm you face in life has two parts, water and wind. Don't deal with the water only. Suddenly you get to work, they tell you to leave your job. That's the storm. The reason they gave you is that, oh, something, something, something has happened. They're downsizing. That's the water part. Look for another job, retrain, do whatever you have to do. That's the water part. But understand that in that storm, there's also a wind. The wind will not answer to natural solution. It has to be spoken to. So you must speak to the wind. Instead, wind has to come from your mouth to deal with the wind that has come from hell. Are you following what I'm saying now? Wind must come from your own mouth to deal with wind that has come from hell. Be still. There's a great storm. 
Then the water has entered the boot. Now take it out. Suddenly, you go, you're getting dressed one day. You check yourself up. You feel a lump. Ah, what's this? Check it again. Ah, you go to the doctor. They say, yeah, there's the truth. There's a lump. It's so, so, and so millimeters in diameter. Ah, biopsy. Biopsy says, yeah, it's malignant. Eh, what is this? My mother never had this. My grandmother never had this. What is going on here? And they say, oh, no, it's good. Congratulations. We caught it early. All we just need to do is just schedule you for surgery. We take it out. Fantastic. Remember, that's the water they're taking out of the boat. That has not dealt with the wind. The wind that blew that thing into that place, the wind is still blowing. You have to stand up and deal with the wind. I heard the message. I got your message. Okay, now I'm praying it in an African way now. That's not going to pray it. <laughs> that's, that's the African way of... That's the, that's the African way of praying it, you know. But, you know, you don't have to stand up. In the name of Jesus. No, that's not the place of, oh God, am I going to die now? Oh God, am I going to die? No, you're not going to die. Settle that in your mind. Can I say something about that? Okay, you don't want to do something about that. But for sure, you're not going to die. Satan does not have the power to kill you. I'm going to say that again, whether you believe it or not. Satan does not have the power to kill you. So you will not die. Your loved ones will not die. So you say to yourself, somebody says, somebody, somebody comes and says, yeah, I had you, had this, maybe you say, shut up, shut, shut up, that. Satan, you're a liar. You don't have the power. Only two people have the power. God and me. God and me. My life is in his hand. Psalm 31, verse 15. And I have the power. Proverbs 11, sorry, Proverbs 18, 21. The power of death and life is in my tongue. It's either in the hand of God or in my tongue. Those two places are the only approved places that can take my life. So your life is not going to be decided by any devil. So Satan, I'm telling you, shut up! My life is beyond your pay grade. See? That's authority now. You've taken authority. You deal with the wind. So wherever this has come from, he that digs a pit shall fall into it. He that rolls a stone shall be rolled back on him. I command this lump to get out of my body. You foul devil of infirmity, bringing malignant tumors to my body. I take authority over you. I bind you in Jesus' name. This is how to do it. Then, you go to the water, deal with the water part. That's what medications and doctors do. After you deal with the wind. Or in conjunction with dealing with the wind part. Are you following? Because if you don't deal with the wind, they take this one out. Three months later, they take it out. Two months later, it just keeps on jumping. Because the wind keeps blowing it everywhere. You take charge over the wind. Are you following what I'm saying now? Say to yourself, ah! Kungali Takuzaya. Everywhere my name is being mentioned for evil right now. Whatever evil sacrifices are being raised concerning me, it will not work because the major sacrifice of divine has been raised for me. Christ was sacrificed for me. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. So that no other evil sacrifice will be accepted against my life. The sacrifice of Balaam against you of Israel did not work. Your sacrifice will not work against me. You witches and wizards, you occultic powers, your sacrifice against me, against my family, it will not work. I'm saying to you today, it shall not work. The lions have been set loose to consume me. According to Daniel 6.22, their mouth be shut. 
you silence them let them hear your voice spirits are wind the word pneuma is spirit and it's also wind have you learned something today you don't have a job don't just wait there and say god i know you see me right now my bills are piling up before my credit score was 750 when i came into this country now that i started even believing you more and trusting you more, i'm not paying my tithe my credit score has now even dropped now to 520 now lord because i can't pay my bills lord you see my heart god is saying what on earth is wrong with you you are the redeemed of the lord you are the redeemed of the lord who are you complaining to god is on your side nothing will separate you from the love of god father i know without a shadow of doubt are you faithful and you love me if there's only one person on this earth to love you will love me not because i'm lovable not because of what i've done but because of everything christ has done and because you are love jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 you love me with an everlasting love unshakable unmovable nothing will separate me from the love you have for me are you following now this is scripture i'm breaking down for you now then father because i know you love me there's nothing too big that love cannot give nothing is too big how do i know that lord because your word says husband love your wife even as christ loved the church and give himself if you can give yourself then you can give me a job how do i know that you can give me a job because you are the ruler of you are the governor over all the nations psalm 22 verse 28 you are the most high god you are the ruler over all the kings of the earth all authority in heaven has been given to you but the good news is that the one on earth has also been given to you lord jesus and anyway you are the adonai of adonai the lord of lords the earth is the lord and the fullness thereof the world and those that dwell in it for the heart of kings is in your hands and the rivers of water you turn into where you will so lord there's nothing you cannot give you open and nobody can shut nothing you cannot give no door you can't open lord i'm knocking on this door as the head of operations concerning this bank the bank that you own because the bank is holding gold and silver and the gold and silver belongs to you so you own the bank you see now you are taking scripture to god you are reasoning in scripture with god so father i thank you i'm not alone i'm not in doubt that you're opening the door to me i am giving you praise and you dance a little bit you praise god a little bit to get the devil mad then you turn around father i thank you for the authority you have given me Satan, hear me and hear me well. You might have blocked the doors against some other people, but not me. The one that is speaking to you right now is the redeemed of the Lord. I'm speaking, the one speaking to you right now is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The one speaking to you right now is the new creation in God. You have never met this Wiley Akeshiko before. The one you met in time past. Someone said, oh, but I was, I've been born again a long time here, yeah, but you are not carrying the revelation. The one you're meeting right now is the revelation. Is the one carrying the revelation. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away, Satan. Now you're about to beat with your Waterloo. You're about to see defeat like you've never seen before, Satan. Once you were thrown down from heaven, now I'm about to throw you out of my life. I know, Satan, you're used to defeat. Because you're, you're a loser. You were thrown out of heaven. And Jesus told me I can throw you out of my life. Mark 16, 17. He said in his own name and authority, I should throw you out of my life. So here now, Satan, I'm giving you notice now. Get out of my life. The foreigners, I'm not the one looking for you where you're hiding. No, 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 no. 
the foreigners will hear my voice, and as soon as they hear me, they will come frightened out of their hidden places. Wherever you are hiding, my voice can get there. For the hour is coming when even the dead will hear this voice of the Son of Man, and they will come, they will come, they will rise up. So I'm commanding you now, Satan, wherever you are hiding, get out! You spirit of poverty, obstruction, frustration, holding down what belongs to me. You see, this is the prayer. This is how you do it as a Christian. Are you following this workshop? You speak. Same thing with sickness. You tell Satan, Satan, you're a liar. I see the report. Yeah, I saw the report, Satan. But that's the report. I saw it. I saw it. Don't tell me that, Lord, did you see? He does that observe lying vanities, forsake their own mercy. Why would you not look at the things that I see? I see it. I saw, I saw, and he's telling me that based on this, maybe it's only four weeks for me to leave. I saw that, Satan. But Satan, guess what? You're a big liar. Lazarus got, Lazarus did not even get the report. He was dead. It was a death certificate they brought. But God converted it. I saw it. But this is the report of my body. I said, today, it's not a report of my spirit. And the whole me is spirit, soul, and body. And in my spirit, there is healing before there was sickness in my body. So Satan, you have to hear me now. What happened 2,000 years ago must overrule what just happened three months ago. 2,000 years ago, I was healed. Three months ago, I felt sick. So you have to hear now. Sickness. By the law of precedence in the things of the spirit, the older must rule. Healing is older than you in my body. So I command you sickness. Get out of my body. This is not the man, oh God, you mean my children are still young. Oh God, my children are young. Junior just started school. Oh God, junior just... What is that? I feel charged to pray for somebody here today. I feel really... I said I feel charged to pray for somebody here today. In my 90-day plan, as I was reading it this earlier of this morning, what entered me? In the beginning was the world, and the world was with God, and the world was God. The same was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that was made. This is John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 I just read. Verse 4, for in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. New Living Translation, verse 5. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness, New Living Translation, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Friends, let me say this to you. No matter what they put together, even if they have to outsource and import more witches and more wizards, they will never extinguish your light in Jesus' name. I'm praying for somebody here today. They will never be able to extinguish your light in Jesus' name. The favor God is depositing in your life even through this service today, as I speak, no devil will stop it in Jesus' name. Oh, I'm speaking over the life of somebody. No devil will be able to stop it in Jesus' name. Please, don't write yourself off. Don't say your case has gone too far. Don't say, how will I ever get married? Even in this COVID now, without COVID, nobody was coming to me. Now with COVID, pandemic, lockdown, who is going to ever show up? Stop that nonsense. What the Bible says is this, and keep your eyes on that. Your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut. Your gates shall not be shut. The government can shut down activities in the natural, but they can't shut down your gates. Someone say, my gates are not shut. They shall be open continually. This is scripture. It said they shall be open continually. That men may bring. That means human beings will go through that gates. Men may bring. Somebody is about to introduce you to the person you will marry in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. The man may bring 
unto you. Men may bring unto you. It's a right sign for your light has come. Darkness will cover the world, deep darkness of people. It's sad. But Gentiles will come to your light. They will come to your light. That means they will still find you. Even in the darkness, they will find you. I'm praying for you now. May favor locate you even starting from this week. May favor locate you starting from this week. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.